to start tonight, if anybody is here tonight, you weren't able to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, if you'll go ahead and make your way to the little chapel, uh, somebody will serve you at this time. Also, as we begin tonight, I do want to remind those we've given out one trophy. There was two or three that has not got them yet. I'm fixing to place another order along with our new trophy. So if you didn't get the first trophy, you're going to get the first trophy. Uh, but I've got to place a, a little more order, uh, some more orders in order to make it, you know, work out right. So I've had a few that's come up to me and told me some things so that you can get your trophy. There's others of you that need to come to me as well, okay? And uh, try to do that whenever you can, all right? All right, let's begin with the books of the Bible. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Genesis, 1 Google has four. Those little 
set judges over us for one great woman, fourteen men. They are these who fight their battles, and we have to love sin. Offer me a shirt or letter, the Gideon, the Rantel, or Jair. Jephthah is there, you are not the first to be my Samuel. Who started that God in the left, did you? And now you made him save his sleep, so y'all feel great. Very good. God is so good. God is so good.
All right, uh, we're going to go ahead tonight and uh, make just a, a brief announcement, have a prayer and a song so that our uh, teachers can go to class. I guess the only announcement we really have tonight is the Tuesday night uh, special service here in the auditorium, followed by the pie supper. And uh, you're encouraged to attend that. I think you'll enjoy the service as well. All right, if there's nothing further, let's close with a prayer, and then we'll have a song for the teachers to go to class. And how are y'all gonna go to class tonight? All right, that's great. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the day. We're thankful to you for all that you do for us. We think about this week being a week of thanksgiving, but Father, may it be the case that we're always thankful for all that you do for us, recognizing the fact that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. We realize that without you, Father, we would have nothing, we would be nothing. Father, we are so mindful of many that we know that are sick, that perhaps would like to be here, but simply cannot because of uh, their physical capabilities. We pray that you would be with them and be with those that are attending to their needs. We also again pray, Father, for those who are grieving uh, over the loss of loved ones. We recognize that the holiday season can make it very difficult uh, on somebody who is grieving, and we pray that your strength would be upon them. Father, we're again so grateful for the church here that meets at Boonville. We're thankful for every member we're thankful for our elders and the great leadership that they provide, and we're thankful for our deacons that continue to carry out their work. And uh, we think about our Bible teachers that put in so much time in preparing their lessons for our children. We are grateful for them, and we're so thankful that they use their abilities. Father, please bless us as we leave here tonight after class. May we always bring glory and honor to you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to sing one verse of Anywhere with Jesus, 414, and our teachers will go to class when y'all can, okay? Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere he takes me in this world, we go. certain aspects of leadership that I believe that we strongly need to consider. And I hope this is a series that will help us uh, not only individually, but also collectively. Normally, when we think about leadership, we think about, you know, serving as an elder or a deacon, but there's a sense in which we are all leaders. How important is the work of an elder? Well, President James A. Garfield, when he was elected president, he resigned the office of being an elder to become president, and he made the statement, I'm leaving the higher office to take the lower one. Brother, you were there, JT, wasn't you, when he did that? Okay, just kidding. Okay. So, uh, you know, Brother James A. Garfield realized just how important being an elder actually is. Now I want to ask you a question. Who are going to be serving 
as elders of this church in the year 2072. I'll be 107 by then. Who, who are going to be our elders in the year 2072? Huh? Okay. All right. When somebody comes into our services in November of 2072, what's this church going to look like then? Anybody got any ideas on that? Well, the answer to that question, it all depends on what we do right now. What we do right now, decisions that we make right now, the foundations that we build on right now are going to determine that. I haven't really looked into the history of the Boonville Church of Christ. I hope to at some point. But 50 years ago, you know, uh, you think about where the church was and where it is now. What we are today is based upon that foundation that was laid 50 or so years ago. And so we need to realize that when it comes to leadership, this is very, very important. And uh, I would just like to call your attention to that tonight uh, for just a few minutes. But before we really get started into this, I want to go to God in prayer. Will you please bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have the privilege tonight to study your word. We're thankful for everyone who's present. Father, we pray that we'll realize the challenge that we have before us to, to use our talents and fulfill our abilities in every way that we can. May we realize that we can do all things through you and that we can do things that we don't really know we can do if we'll put our faith and trust in you. And we pray for the leaders that we have now and we pray for future leaders in the church. Father, there are many on our sick list tonight and we ask that you please take note of each one of them and we acknowledge the fact that there are so many that need our prayers at this time. May we do what we can to encourage them and to bless them, Father. Be, within, be with us in our study tonight, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Just for a moment, think about your own family that you love so dearly. I want to ask you this question. What is going to be the spiritual situation of your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and beyond? What's going to determine how spiritually minded your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are. I've got four grandchildren. I don't know if I'll ever live to see great-grandchildren. You know, I've had in the back of my mind, it's kind of kept it myself. I, I guess I make excuses, right? I need to quit. I thought about writing some kind of book that emphasizes what I want my grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know. I'm dead. I'm gone. What do I want my grandchildren and what do I want my great-grandchildren to know? You know, one chapter might be about God. One chapter might be about the church. Uh, one chapter might be about worship. And, and I've always thought it, if that ever happened, which maybe it will if the Lord lets me live, uh, this would be more of a conversational type thing, you know, if I were speaking to them rather than one of those, you know, theological type, you know, where you got to have a Ph.D. to understand what's going on, you know. You wouldn't hear any Greek words or anything like that. You know, just be conversational. But, but think about that. What's going to happen to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren? What are they going to believe? What are they going to practice? Will they be faithful members of the church? Well, I think a lot of that is going to depend on what you're doing right now. You know, we've already talked about here in the past about how uh, the faithfulness of one generation can be passed down to the next generation. And we need to be very careful that we do that. Think about this, for example. Uh, somebody said, when I talk to managers, I get the feeling that they are important. When I talk to leaders, I get the feeling that I'm important. These are some quotes about leadership. Dwight Eisenhower said, you do not lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault and not leadership. 
Theodore M. Hesborough said, the very essence of leadership is that you have vision. You can't blow an uncertain trumpet. Henry Ford, who we know invented the automobile said, leadership consists of nothing but taking responsibility for everything that goes wrong and giving your subordinates credit for everything that goes well. You know, a lot of folks today want to serve God. They'll tell you that they do, but they only want to do it in an advisory capacity. You know, they really don't want to get involved. They don't want to get their hands dirty. But if this church and the future of this church is going to be what it needs to be and ought to be, we're going to have to have good, solid leadership. Now, y'all are more than welcome to speak up. I want you to. Why do you think leadership and good leadership is so important, even in the church especially? Anybody got any thoughts on that? Why, why is leadership so important? What happens on a, a football team or a basketball team or any athletic team if you don't have some good leaders on that team? What's going to happen? Anybody? Huh? You're probably going to lose. You may have all the talent in the world, right? But if you don't have good leadership, you know, people that will keep you in check, it's going to be tough. And in regard to the church, if we don't have good leadership, then the church is going to falter. People are going to fall through the cracks. And uh, as has happened in many cases, uh, the church will fall short of what it needs to be and ought to be. You see, church leadership... Oh, by the way, good. I'm glad it's up there. Church leadership is about serving others in accordance to uh, Christ's interests so that they can see and accomplish God's purpose for them in the world. And a church leader needs qualities that influence and morally encourage the congregation, the volunteers, and others within the community. Now, just briefly, five brief facts about leadership I want to share with you. We're still in the introductory Phase here. Five brief, brief facts about leadership. Number one, a leader always honors and submits to God's authority. A leader will always do that. A Christian leader will honor and submit to God's authority. No leader in the church has the right to change God's laws, do they? In regard to how we worship, in regard to maybe new innovations of some kind, I've seen churches that were fairly solid and then there was a change in leadership and now you can't even recognize that particular church anymore. It's changed. They've allowed all manner of uh, men's innovations to come into that church and they're doing and practicing things that just a generation ago uh, wouldn't even consider or think about. Number two, a leader always serves. You can't be a leader if you're not willing to serve. A leader always is willing to do whatever he may ask those who are under them to do. And I think Jesus is a, uh, a master of that. You know, he gave the uh, illustration and you remember how he washed the disciples' feet and those disciples were shocked. They were stunned. When Jesus took that basin of water and that towel and washed the disciples' feet, I mean, their eyes were opened. They were shocked by that. And his point was, if I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, then what should you do? You ought to wash one another's feet. Number three, a leader knows and he cares for people. One who leads needs to know those who are serving under him. And he needs to demonstrate care for those that are under him. Uh, you've heard that old saying, I heard it all my life from my dad. You know, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. When you really care about somebody, you can just about say anything to them that you want to, can't you? If they know that you genuinely care about their well-being. Number four, and I know we don't have our young people in here, but a leader can be any age, even a teenager. Remember what Paul told the young man Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12? He said, let no man despise 
or look down on you because of your youth. Rather, you set the tone. You be a leader. You be the kind of person that can lead when it comes to faith and purity and how you talk and how you act. Let no man despise you because your youth. You be an example, not to the unbeliever, but to the believer. You know, I learn a lot from teenagers sometimes, don't you? You know, there's still something about a young person's heart that uh, can really get to us and challenge us. And, you know, even they can teach us things from time to time. And then number five, a leader is going to be someone that you want to follow. So those are five brief facts about leadership. Now, to get into the meat of what I want to talk about tonight and what we need to get through tonight, I want to talk about the foundations for leadership. And as we think about the foundations of leadership, the thing that I think we're most lacking in this area is desire. What is desire, if you desire something? Warning. What will you do if you desire something? You'll go after it. You'll focus on that, right? You know? Uh, if it, here's a person that wants to maybe purchase something, may cost a little money, they desire that, so what do they do? They sacrifice. They, they do it without some things and save their money to the point where they can maybe buy that or purchase that. How many people here desire to be a leader? I think about Fried Hardeman several years ago in a Bible class with Bible majors. The particular teacher in that class was asking them, you know, what do you want to do with your degree? You know, why do you want to preach? And this particular teacher said he had never heard this before. But young, one young man in there was majoring in business. But he was taking this class and he said, I want to take this class and others because when I get older, I want to serve as an elder. Isn't that something? To be a young person like that and so desire down the road when you become qualified to serve as an elder. That's true desire. And leadership is important in everything. I think about our homes for just a minute. I'm just going to be frank and honest with you. Some of, some of you, uh, you guys, you're, you're drop, we're dropping the ball, right? We're AWOL when it comes to being a good leader in the home. You know, we kind of leave it up to the mom and let her do whatever she can do. And, you know, we just kind of go along with everything. Uh, husbands, we have the responsibility. Oh, it's not something that's just optional. We have the responsibility to step up and be the spiritual leader of our homes and of our children and so forth. And we need to make sure that we fulfill that responsibility. And a man who leads the church must be a good leader at home. Now let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 tonight. If y'all want to turn there, we're talking about desire being a foundation of leadership. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, y'all are familiar with this passage. It says, this is a faithful saying. If any man desire the position or the office of bishop, he desires a good work. Is there anything wrong with desiring the office of a bishop or an elder? Well, that's right. That's one of the qualifications. You've got to have the desire to serve. Of course, you need the right motive, right? You know? Some people may want to be that just for recognition's sake alone. But uh, certainly to be qualified, you have to have that desire. Now, the original word there in the original language uses two words for desire in this passage. The first one means to stretch one's self. It means to reach out after. It's something that you long for, you desire. The second word in the original language that's used here means to earnestly and eagerly desire. It means to set your heart upon, long for. 
There's a lot of things that we can long for in this life, right? There's a lot of things that we can stretch ourselves out for. Some people may want to, you know, climb the corporate ladder in their, in their work. Uh, maybe they want to accumulate, you know, lots of things and so forth. Uh, desire for anything uh, may be true in our lives, but how many of us are willing to stretch ourselves out, to reach out after, to set the heart upon? You know, when I read about that, it kind of reminds me of Daniel. Remember when he was taken captive and, you know, the young men were there and uh, they wanted to make Daniel and these other young men uh, special servants of the king and they had to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. And the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with those things. That's the same kind of word here. We need to purpose in our hearts. We need to reach forward, if you will, that we're going to be a leader. Maybe I don't consider myself that right now, but that doesn't mean that I can't be. I think every Christian should desire to serve the cause of Christ in every way that he can. Now, some, some people recognize that they do have leadership abilities. Or I should say they don't have leadership abilities. They may look in the mirror and say, I don't think I should or could ever serve in a capacity like that as far as being an elder. But, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord in other ways to the best of my ability. You know, if a man feels that he has leadership abilities, I think it's proper for him to desire the office of an elder. You know, if a man is qualified in every other way and he doesn't have the desire to serve in the eldership, could it be that maybe something's wrong spiritually with that individual? You know, here's an individual, he has all the qualifications right down the line but he doesn't have that desire to serve in that capacity. Could it be that you might could call into question that individual's spirituality? Perhaps the problem is that, you know, he doesn't recognize his own potential. You know, humility is a good trait, right? At the same time, we need to be aware of what we can do and the success that we can bring to God's kingdom. And we need to recognize our abilities. And in such a case, maybe others need to encourage him and help him see the potential that he has for the particular office of an elder or a deacon or whatever the case may be. And so the first foundation of leadership is desire. We ought to desire that. And uh, that's going to begin first with an examination of our heart and our priorities. Think about some of the hindrances, though, to desire. We know we ought to have this desire. What are some hindrances to it? Well, one thing that pops out in my mind is selfishness. Being caught up in self. Me, myself, and I, my space, my time, what I want. I don't want to be inconvenienced in any way. I don't want to have to spend all my time, you know, worrying about this or that in the leadership role. I'll just continue to do what I can do as a regular member, even though I have the qualifications to be an elder. Selfishness gets in our way sometimes. All the problems that I face in life generally is a result of selfishness, right? I'm too concerned about me. Uh, don't you inconvenience me. Uh, I'm more concerned about me than anybody else. The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So selfishness is a hindrance. Also, maybe here's someone that has a poor self image. And there's a number of factors that might be contributing to that. But you know, having a poor self-image, poor self-esteem can rob a man of the incentive that he needs for dynamic leadership. And that's tragic. When you think about, remember that we were created in the image of God. Genesis 1 verse 26. You know, whenever we stop and think about how we were created, how God sees us, that we are in the very image of God and that we have potential, perhaps we can begin to overcome that barrier. But poor self-image might contribute to that. Maybe it's being dependent on external conditions. 
you know, as long as there, there's the excitement of the crowd, right? And, you know, there's things that are good. It's just, you know, real wonderful and everything's on fire and everybody's excited and talking about things in a positive way. A lot of times uh, it's easy to stay motivated. But motivation, however, that's totally dependent upon external things is short-lived and usually keeps the leader frustrated. Because I can assure you in the leadership, there aren't always going to be those times of pep, you know, like a pep rally or whatever, when things are going well. Elders have to deal with some very difficult situations. And if you folks only really understood the burdens that elders have to bear. I don't think the average member of the Lord's church understands what an elder does. And the hours, many times, of heartache, lack of sleep, concern that they have for the members of the flock, dealing with serious problems that, that come along. And that's why, you know, the Bible tells us to obey them that have the rule over you, that they may give an account with joy and not with grief. You know, we as members of the church, members of the flock, we ought to have the attitude that we're going to make the work of our elders as easy as possible. But you see, there's not always the crowd. There's not always the excitement and the accolades. If that's your motivation, then it may be difficult for you. Also, <clears throat> having an it's just not my nature attitude. You know, I'd like to be an elder, but it's just not my nature. I don't think I could do it. You know, the Bible talks about changing nature, doesn't it? You know, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed how? By renewing your mind. It's a change of mind. Renewing your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, when one is baptized, immersed in water, you know, we emphasize the fact that that person becomes a new creation. All things are made new. And so God desires to change the nature of all those who will come to him if we will let him through his word. Let me give you an example over in Birmingham, Alabama. There was a church that <clears throat> had great outreaches to the community. They would knock doors. They would, uh, you know, try to really evangelize their community. Well, one man was in a neighborhood. It wasn't a good part of town. And he saw all these motorcycles, these Harley Davidson type bikes and this rundown house. And there's a bunch of crazy looking men on the porch and he just said, I don't know if I'm going to go up there or not. But he did. And he talked to the men and gave them some literature. Well, one of those men decided to come to church. Today he's an elder in the church. He's an elder. You see, you never know how somebody can change. You never know uh, how they can change their nature. And we can do that as well. So, you know, that's just an excuse. You know, it's just not my nature. Another hindrance is just simply being lazy or indifferent. You know, uh, somebody asked the question now, what's wrong with the church? And the answer came back, I don't know and I don't care. Well, that's the answer to what's wrong with the church, right? I don't know ignorance and I don't care apathy. Uh, some people just really don't care. They're indifferent. Uh, our generation uh, is full of people that have not been raised to desire leadership roles. That's just the nature of it. Uh, Y'all gotta, gotta learn this about me. Something hits my mind and I'll start going after a little bit. Sometimes it comes out correctly and sometimes it doesn't. But anyhow, you're talking about leadership. <clears throat> me and my son went to the Alabama Ole Miss game last Saturday. And at halftime, they honored three World War II veterans. It was captivating. All of them were in their late 90s. They sat in wheelchairs and there were there people to help them up. And one of them was one that landed in Omaha Beach on D-Day. Another one fought in the Battle of the Bulge. 
course, my son's a captain in the Marine Corps. You know, I saw something that really showed his heart then with a tear streaming down his cheek. He said, Dad, we're not going to have those men around very much longer. You know, it kind of touched his heart a little bit. That made me feel good on the inside. But, you know, we need leaders to step up. And this generation may not be like the previous generation in that way. Why? Because leadership requires hard work. And we know today, if we watch the news, that many people don't want any part of hard work. You know, businesses can't find anybody, to do, you know, to hire now. Uh, it's just tragic when we see that. Some do, however, become maybe leaders in name only, but their actions are far from it. Uh, but it takes sacrifice to be a leader. And so we don't need to be lazy or indifferent. Uh, you don't retire from the Lord's work. You know, you don't ever clock out. You can clock out from your job, but you never clock out from being a Christian. You don't clock out. You're on call 24-7, no matter where you are or what you're doing. Also, another, uh, I think, hindrance to desire is a fear of failure. All of us have that fear, don't we? You know, maybe it's a new job. Uh, it may be something else that we do in life. We just have a fear of failure. Now, we can go back, and if we had time, we could talk about many people in history that failed at what they were doing, but they didn't quit, right? Abraham Lincoln, for example, he lost several elections, right? I mean, there were all kinds of calamities that happened in his life, but he didn't give up, he didn't quit, and ultimately, he became the president of the United States. And we need to realize there's gonna be failures, but these are only stepping, to, stepping stones on the road to good and effective leadership. Uh, how do we react to failure? Some people want to give up and quit. But the one who fails and gets up is stronger than the one who never tried to start with. We don't not let fear keep us from being a leader in the church. You know, some people will not get up front, maybe lead a prayer. And I'm not criticizing that person, but you won't get up because you're scared, right? You, you never faced the fear before. Even though you might do an excellent job, you allow fear to keep you from doing something that you might be good at. Every teacher in our Bible class did it for the first time, didn't they? They were fearful of failure. All of us. Uh, when you first learn how to, when you start driving a car, you know, you may be fearful of that, right? Uh, you've never driven a car before. But once you learn how to drive, you know, once you learn and overcome that fear, it's a blessing. And so we need to realize that we can't allow fear to keep us from doing what we need to do. Michael Jordan, and I'm going to state this as a fact, is the greatest basketball player that ever walked on this earth. Don't anybody even bring up any modern day players. Uh, it's not even close. My, there's nobody, I can prove it. Nobody close to Michael Jordan that's ever played. Uh, Michael Jordan once said, I can accept failure. Everybody fails at something but I cannot accept not trying. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen any documentaries on his life, you can understand how motivated he was. He was just different uh, in how he functioned. All right, let's move on. Waiting for the right time or the right conditions to serve. Some people may say, well, when this particular time happens in life, maybe then I'll be ready to serve in that way. And this attitude prefaces statements about why a thing is not done with, you know, what if this or, or what if that? I'm not sure. And assures everyone, you know, he assures everyone that, that you know, when the time is right, uh, he will move into action. But what happens to those convenient times in life, somebody? What happens to those who wait for the right time? Never comes, right? Remember Paul, when he was before Felix? You know, he preached unto that man about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come. And the Bible says Felix trembled. And whenever you can preach and somebody's listening trembles at the preaching of the gospel, you've hit the right chord. And Felix said, 
when it is convenient, I'll call for you. As far as we know, that convenient time never came. So it's never going to be convenient for us to serve God. The devil will see to that. You can rest assured of that. If convenience is the hindrance to you stepping up and serving or maybe being the kind of father and husband that you need to be or maybe a teacher or a deacon or even an elder, if you're waiting for the right time, I can assure you the devil will always see to it that that time will not come. He's good at it. Been very successful at it. Takes courage to move you know, when others are, are not doing what they need to do. But for some reason, that time never comes. Another hindrance to leadership is giving in to the poor influence of other people. Now, it's hard to buck the tide of peer pressure, even among adults, right? Adults, we're susceptible to peer pressure just like teenagers are, aren't we? And uh, this hindrance uh, is... Uh, produced by being influenced by the opinion of others. And it takes a lot of courage to move ahead and move on when others are stalled or convinced they must stop altogether. Sometimes the church becomes uh, satisfied with the status quo. We're just content with, you know, keeping house and that's it. And uh, leaders have to step up and challenge the church. We cannot be like this. We can't, you know... Our accolades, we can't go based upon what we've done in the past. Uh, we've got to jump forward and, and do what we need to do. And maybe it's because of the influence of others and peer pressure that we don't serve as we should. And this is, I think, is a good one as well. There's a lack of background and training. Now, an individual that's been subdued all of his life is going to have difficulty in moving out as a leader. I think all of us are influenced by the sum total of our past experiences, right? All of us are. You know, how we grew up, the situation that we are in. And if those situations have been negative, then maybe it causes us to be negative. But again, think about our nature. Can we change? I know of a lot of people that have stepped up into leadership when it really wasn't their nature. They didn't have the background that others have had. You know, uh, those that grew up on the church, like I grew up in the church, you know, sometimes we kind of take things for granted, don't we? Just a little bit of what we have. Whereas somebody who is converted out of the world or out of denominationalism, that individual, you know, really is on fire. That individual really appreciates what he has. But even if we have had the kind of background that may not be ideal, we can still overcome that. And we can be successful as a leader. And then there's a failure to understand self. That's another hindrance. You took your test this morning, right? Remember? A, B, C, or D. I don't know how you did, but I like that lesson. And I think it says a lot about understanding who we are. Knowledge of self is an important key. We need to know who we are. We need to be able to truthfully look into the mirror and examine who we are and what we can do and what we can accomplish. Now, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, right? But we also need to have a high self-esteem. You know, it's important for us to think that we can accomplish things, not proudly or in arrogance, but as Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this requires personal examination from every vantage point. And if it's going to be beneficial... I need to be honest and specific. You know, a lack of knowledge is something that can be a great hindrance. Uh, many are doing all that they know to do. Uh, God's word is the true source of help in this and other areas related to leadership. And a leader has to study the word of God. He has to feed on God's word and gain that knowledge if he's going to be the kind of leader that he needs to do. Now, foundations of desire quickly. Time's getting away from us, and I told Ken I'd get through all this, and so I'm planning on doing it one way or the other, even if we have to stay till 7. Just kidding. All right. Foundations of desire. We talked about the importance of desire and hindrances of desire. Look at the foundations of desire. 
You know, the foundation, I believe, of all spiritual matters is a knowledge of God and a response to that knowledge out of love. Jesus said, if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments, John 14 and verse 15. And so the foundation of being a leader, of being a spiritual person is knowing God's word. And in that word and a knowledge of it, you have that zeal. You know, Paul condemned the Romans. He condemned having a zeal, but not having a knowledge to go along with that. And so we need to have that knowledge that's going to lead to zeal. And we do that by studying the word of God. Uh, if that, you know, doesn't really motivate us to uh, be a leader, I don't know what will. Also, we need to take action. Sometimes we just need to say, it's time for me to act. You know, it's like when my wife's been bugging me to get something done, you know, and here, you know, I'll get it done. It may be six months, months from now, but, you know, I'll get it done eventually, you know. Uh, sometimes you got to take action, right, and just step up and decide this is the day it's going to get done. You know, i got to take action. You know, James addressed this when he wrote in James 1, verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, he described that uh, as being a hearer of the word and not a doer is one that beholds his natural face in a glass or a mirror. Now, how many of you, when you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror and said, wow, I'm going to go just like I am. Did y'all make any changes? Some of us probably, it wouldn't work anyway, right? You know, you know what do you look in the mirror for in the morning anyway? Well, you see, your, what, you see how you look in the morning and uh, you see the obvious changes that need to be made. Some of us may need to work just a few minutes. Some of us may just spend all morning doing it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, in the same way physically that you look in a mirror and you see the changes that need to be made, spiritually you look in the mirror, the mirror of God's word, and as you study God's word, you see the changes you need to make, and you begin to make those changes. So you got to take action. God wants me to be a leader. I need to take action and step up. And then I think about visualizing the reward. You know, if as a leader you constantly remember the rewards promised by the Lord and his word, I think that can motivate you. What motivated Moses to make a choice? He forsook the riches of Egypt and he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. What was the basis of Moses making that choice, somebody? Anybody? Why did Moses choose to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy all the riches and pleasures of Egypt? The way his mom raised him. But, but what motivated him to do that? What just his mom's raising? He knew what the alternative was. Also, he looked ahead, right? He looked to the future. You know, the Bible says that in the book of Hebrews that we are to look unto Jesus. We're to run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus. I've said this before. You've heard me say it. You know, going to heaven's a wonderful goal, right? But it's way out there. It's not as tangible as we would like, right? But I'll tell you something that is tangible. The Bible says we are to look to Jesus every single day when you get up. My goal today is to be more like Jesus in everything that I do. That's tangible, isn't it? That's something I do right now. Uh, I may go to heaven sometime. I hope to. But the process of getting there involves me becoming more like Jesus today. And I'm going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was yesterday. You've got to visualize the reward. And visualizing that reward of one day hearing the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant, ought to motivate every person to have that desire. And then believing in the value of the task. What's the greatest cause on this earth? Is it midterm elections? Is it, is it the uh, direction of this country? What's the greatest cause on this earth? Well, I submit to you, it's the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The greatest cause on this earth is the cause of Jesus. The Bible says that he came to seek and save the lost, Luke 19, verse 10. That's the greatest cause on this earth. And Jesus fulfilled that cause. And we need to realize that's the greatest task on this earth as well. And if we'll understand that and try to see our job relative to the importance of that, you're going to be self-motivated. If you can just see how your responsibility fits into God's scheme of redemption, you will not need external prodding. You're going to be self-motivated because I'm a part of the greatest cause on this earth. You know, we see people who are 
part of some cause, right? And they're behind it 100%. You can't stop them, can you? You know, what motivates somebody to get into an airplane and crash into a building like happened on 9-11? You think they're caught up in their cause? I tell you that they are, right? Maybe wrong, but they're motivated. We have the greatest cause on this earth today. What are we motivated to do? We're motivated to serve the Lord. And then there's loving God and loving others. I think that is the foundation of desire. And that ingredient will be involved in all the other tasks. Our love for God. And this is one thing that I want to impress upon our young people. You know, currently we're talking about in that class addressing moral issues. You know, whatever you decide about how you're going to use your body, whatever decisions that you ultimately make, it needs to be made on the word of God. But ultimately you have to have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. You have to understand that my relationship with God is very important and I don't want to do anything to hurt God. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. And of course, that also involves loving your neighbor as yourself. You demonstrate your love for God by what you do toward others, especially those that are lost. And so loving God is a great part of the foundation for desire. And then the last one I'll mention is sensing the need. Unless you're deeply convinced that there's a need and that you can provide and help or answer for that need, you're never going to be motivated. Do we need leadership in the church? Yes or no? What are you going to do about that as a person? Do you realize that you are part of the answer in regard to being a leader? You know, 8 billion people with an eternal destiny should constantly remind us of the need for the church to fulfill the great commission. There's an urgent need to also minister to one another in the body of Christ. The Bible said that we are to exhort one another daily while it is called today. That's the responsibility each one of us have. And all this and more establishes the need for you to assume the responsibility to lead. So I'm going to close with this. You know, desire, desire is at the heart of all leadership successes. It's one of the priceless ingredients for leading the church to victory today. And each one of us ought to ask ourselves, am I a self-motivated person? If not, maybe you need to start praying about that a little more. Maybe you need to challenge yourself and say, you know, I can do it. I can accomplish it. With God's help, I can be exactly what he wants me to be. And I can go as high as God wants me to go if I have his help. And so this lesson is about desire. Hopefully we can, based upon these principles, develop that desire. Any questions or comments from you folks? Anything y'all want to add? All right, let's close out with a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're again thankful for all you do for us. We pray as we leave here today that we'll endeavor to bring glory and honor to you in all things. And as we think about this particular week, particularly on Thursday being a national day of Thanksgiving, may we not only be thankful then, but let's be thankful for all things every day for the good things that you do. God, please be with us as we leave here and keep us safe in Christ's name. Amen.